Skeleton Crew 2020 Halloween Special. <laughs> about The Lost Boys tonight. From 1987, it is one of my all-time favorite vampire films. It was directed by Joel Schumacher. A lot of people will recognize him from, you know, the Batman movies with the nipples. <laughs> and it was written by Jan Fisher, James Jeremias, and Jeffrey Bohm. The story was written by Jan Fisher and James Jeremias. The screenplay was written by the three. And it stars like, people we all know, like Jason Patrick, Keeper Sutherland, Corey Haim, Diane Veist. <laughs> <laughs> I just love saying that. Edward Herman, of course, Jamie Gertz, Corey Feldman, and Jameson Newlander. Those are like your main people. And this was huge. Mm. This this was huge. In 1987, I was blown away. And what I've noticed is that in recent years, a lot of people have are saying that they don't like this movie. And I don't understand that because that was never a thing. Never. Like, never. Back then, that was not a thing. I didn't know anyone who didn't love this movie. The soundtrack is incredible. Most people that I knew immediately bought the soundtrack after they yep. saw the movie. And this was one of those movies that I would rent with my friends every weekend. I can't even tell you how many times we saw it. I mean, it's to the point where when we were watching it for this, yep. Brian and I both are just throwing quotes left and right, you know, <laughs> along with the movie, because that's how much of a big deal it was. Yes. Oh, yeah, it's quotable. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Now, Jamie... Get back to the hate thing. You said this is a, a more recent thing that you've seen? I've only seen it the last, uh, I'd say probably within the last five to ten years. You either die a hero or live long enough to see yourself become the villain. Like, I feel like a movie, if it's around long enough, people, uh, people are just going to nitpick it and hate it. And, you know... I'm so glad. Like, okay, when did you first see it, Jamie? I'm curious. I saw it in the, I saw it in the theater. Oh, my God. Can you imagine that, Alex? Mm -mm. Like, what's it like to go to the theater not knowing, you know, eh, it's another horror movie, and all of a sudden this is on the screen? It's so classic in so many ways, and I can't wait to, like, get into all of it. But I, I when you said that to me the other day, it just it, it set something off in me. I'm like, well, why is that? You know, this movie is beloved by so many. And they don't even make movies like this anymore. Just just that classic feel, you know, like part Goonies, part, you know, hardcore yeah. vampire movie at times. You don't get that. Also, and there was, is zero downtime in this movie. There is no there's not a drag at all. No chuffa. You know, yeah. Yeah, I was going to mention that. It, the pacing's incredible. Yes! Something is always happening. And the soundtrack that I mentioned, oh. which is so incredible, it's every second. 
there is another song kicking in, you know, and it's, you know, it goes beautifully with whatever's going on on screen, but it just kind of sticks, you know, and these are like iconic soundtrack songs, you know, things that when you like songs that when you hear these songs, you automatically think of the Lost Boys. You know, I, and I had even it on if my it's last like, Halloween show, Jamie. That's right. <laughs> yes. Even if it's oily sax guy, you're going to, <laughs> you're, it, that it immediately conjures those images in your mind. You know, I can't hear people are strange. I can't hear, mm. uh, well, and then some of the stuff was specifically for the film. It's, oh, it's the, so good. <laughs> at, the, um, at the amount that they play Cry Little Sister, it has no business just just doing it for me. Like every single time they play it 18 times in the movie and every single time I love it. Well, you know what the best time was, which is what when he goes to Jamie Kirk, he's like, I don't know what's happening. Yes. Oh, my God. That uh, is the I just absolute... got chills. Oh, I, I right? seriously just got chills. Yeah, that's the best scene, right? And that, like, that's the best 10 seconds of the movie. And then she says, but do I look good? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but do I look good? Yeah, me and Dan are referring to Less Than Zero. That's where we fell in love with Jamie Gertz. Well, that's where I did. I Dan might have seen her somewhere else first. Nope, it was there. And But see, <laughs> it's so great, though, because, you know, we reviewed this, um, you know, I've talked about this film on, you know, just little segments here and there, and and I can't get over how much I love it. But with this viewing, I'm like, all right, I'm going to try and be maybe, I don't know, more more objective and, and maybe more critical or whatever. I got nothing. Movie's so good. Like, it's so good, and it just, it hits you in the feels, and... Uh, that's got to stand for something. And if so many people have that same feeling, no matter how you connect to a movie or whatever, if everybody or the the majority, you know, unfortunately, those numbers are dwindling, like Jamie said. But but, you know, when you get that feeling, it, it's one of those movies where, you know, you could maybe pick apart some technical stuff or whatever, but it, it'll always have that going for it. And you can't take that away from it. It's just. I can't think of any other word but classic. It's just great. Michael and Sam have just moved to Santa Carla, California. They're about to discover its secret. Notice anything unusual about Santa Carla yet? No. It's a pretty cool place. If you're a Martian. Or a vampire. this I was just repeatedly blown away by how it 
little nitpicky things didn't matter. So when Joel Schumacher was uh, going to make this film, initially this was about young boys. It was literally the lost boys from Peter Pan. These little young vampires were supposed to be young kids. But when Schumacher came in and he's just like, no, I... I don't I don't want to make that movie. Like I want to make a movie about teenagers, you know. And I think that was an amazing call. Good yeah. call. Yeah. But someone's like, but we're having one kid in there, I'm telling you. <laughs> right. Um but I, yeah. I, I, I can't imagine it being any any other way. And I think what they were the, the initial idea was that they were trying to go for like the Goonies crowd and mm-hmm. Stand by Me and all like the, the coming of age films, but uh, he's like, no, I feel like people will resonate with it more if they're older. And he nailed that because it hit the teenagers at the time. Right. And that it was just all about uh, we just were all about this culture, all about that. I mean, it was and they actually influenced fashion. Holy God. Yeah. I hate to admit it, but Uh-oh. they did, you know. Uh-oh. Uh, oh, look at my hair. <laughs> okay, I even I said right? this to Brian the other night when we were watching it. I was like, "Oh my god, I used to dress like him," and he's like, "Who?" And I'm like, "Corey Haim." Oh. Like I, I, I did that. I have wow. I, I have pictures of me somewhere in shirts that were like, um, like comic strip shirt. They look like comic strips because they're all like colorful and black. Like just basically the stuff he's wearing. And then like any pictures anywhere, Jamie. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are. Oh my God! Can I please see them? No. <laughs> if I can, if I can find them, yes, I'll post them. But okay. uh, and then you would like mix and match patterns and stuff like that. Is and he's like, uh, he's like, those are inside thoughts, baby. And I'm like, look, I it was cool back then. And he's like, that was never cool. And I'm like, okay, just because he was a metalhead his whole life and all he wore were jeans and black t-shirts, like. Uh, eh. <laughs> But I was basically like I was that Corey Haim kid, only you know, girl version. Yes, they're like these this group of guys who all hang out and they ride motorcycles and they're badass. And even though their clothes are kind of questionable, like <laughs> like I don't know, it always kills me whenever I see tough guys wearing half shirts. But what are you gonna do? The <laughs> <laughs> Is that a he, tag top? Yeah. He's right. He starts hanging out with it. But then, you know, like, who am I to who am I to judge? Because like Corey Haim had that like sexy poster of Rob Lowe on his wall. Like, whose idea was that? Like, I'm gonna guess right. was, I'm gonna guess it was Schumacher's. <laughs> hey, right? He's like, I want Rob Lowe in a crop top. Right. <laughs> like what? <laughs> yeah, Jesse has nothing on this kid. Right? <laughs> but Michael starts hanging out with this this gang of boys and you know, slowly starts to come to the realization once it's too late that they are vampires and they're kind of sucking him in. So no pun intended. Uh-huh, that's right. It actually wasn't. That's cool. Uh, then, <laughs> when we have the Frog Brothers who own a comic book shop, when did you guys because I'm going to assume like Alex, you're about five years behind me. Dan, you're like ten. I'm going to assume you guys didn't see it in the theater. No, maybe you no. did. Okay. Well, what was your initial introduction to it? I have a crazy story about how I started watching this. Um, I went to Best Buy when DVDs kind of first hit the scene, and um, I was, you know, big into horror in 2000 and 2001 and stuff. That's when I was really ramping it up. 
So I was in there and uh, I found this DVD and I heard about this movie. And uh, I might have seen it on HBO or something like that, but I didn't really remember anything. So I buy that movie and back then I was into the Munsters TV show. So I saw the DVD for Munsters Go Home on the shelf too. So I just bought these two movies. And then I go home and I might have watched Munsters first and I hated it. Then I watched this and I really liked it. But what the amazing thing was when I put this on, when they go into that cavern that all the vampires live in, that uh, that resort that fell under the ground, there's a poster on the wall in there and it's Munsters Go Home. That's no! right. Can you believe then, that? Well, then later on when Laddie pops out of the bed, he's like, oh, it's just the attack of Eddie Munster. Oh, right. Oh, yeah. 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 How weird of a coincidence is that? Like, I, it's just, it's starting over even on the, the 2020 shows we're doing. We're talking about this crap. <laughs> yeah. What do you, uh, Dan, how did you get introduced? Then we'll start talking about our likes and dislikes and stuff. For sure, man. Um, for, you know, for me, it's great in a way the, the how I found it because it was literally just. You know, after I became a horror fan and just people telling me, like, yeah, no, The Lost Boys is amazing. And I'm like, yeah, okay, whatever, you know. But it's it's one of the few movies that actually lived up to the hype, you know. And and that's not always the case. It, actually, it's very rarely the case. But um, I, I didn't stay away from it for, for any reason. But by the time I saw it... I knew the majority of the cast. And let's talk about the cast real quick, too. Like, still very relevant actors, you know? I mean, even Feldman was relevant <laughs> last year. Yeah, at that time, yeah. Yeah, but, like, Kiefer Sutherland, just so many great... Even Alex Winter's back. He's coming back uh, next year, too. Bill and Ted, right? Yeah, dude. Just, um, I, I don't know. Th- this cast is amazing. So that was kind of a draw, you know, for me. And, and I thought, yeah, that, you know, I'll definitely check this out. And automatically, I don't know, there, there's a certain, there's a certain um, flair, certain direction, certain directors have that, that it just pops. And, and it's, I want to say it's very like Spielbergish, but darker. That's what I would kind of classify this as. Uh, also, it being from Schumacher, I love looking at directors that you know directed some of the Batman movies just to see what else they've done. Mm. So that that what was what you do besides Bat Ice Skates. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> chill. <laughs> but like, yeah, there was so many things. There were so many reasons to watch this movie, and when I did, not only did it not disappoint, but I'm like, I really liked that. Now, subsequently, after time after time that I do watch it, you know. There's always a part of me now that that's always, you know, kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop and say maybe, oh, well, I'm I'm seeing a bunch of things that, you know, maybe I had, uh, you know, nostalgic glasses on or maybe I was influenced by, you know, everybody telling me to watch it like, oh, it's great. So I just all of that goes out the window every single time I watch it because I'm just reassured that like, wow, this is an amazing movie. It's such a balance. And and I feel like that's so important in horror today, you know, and I feel, sometimes it feels like it's it's just a bunch of things thrown in and kind of mixed up. 
and and you know whatever spills out randomly that's what it is and sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't but this one just works like the 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 tone of it is great like scary imagery really scary imagery great comedy great family dynamics everything every, just classic everything you know the 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 motorcycles in it just that the use of those um, I, the the train bridge scene. I mean, I was watching that last night, and I was like, "Wow!" I really put myself in that scene too. It's intense. <laughs> you better hold on. Yeah, I was like, I can't even hold on. <laughs> but dude, I just you know, I'm at. Um, I don't know what Jamie's at. I, I, don't worry, I, I fell off, Jamie. I I had to start working again, and my movie watching is down. I think I'm at like 189 for the year. Anyways, I've been watching more movies than I ever had in my entire life. So to go back to this and and still have this stand out speaks to it. Like this movie is incredible. And yeah, so when I found it, I loved it, and every watch since. I just, I've loved it even more. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. I love the whole, the settings of the vampires and the summer and the boardwalk, and it's called Santa Carla, and it's the murder capital of the world. Like, that's amazing. The soundtrack they drop, people are strange. Like Jamie said, the dude with the chains around his his neck and wrists. Uh, uh, the, The way they describe the house as the Texas Chainsaw Massacre house. Oily sax guy. Oily sax guy. <laughs> yeah, the reference to Texas Chainsaw is amazing. Just the like the vampires and and like the the motorbikes and everything. And Keith or Sutherland is like just so he really owns his roles and he's so fucking cool. Yeah, oh. he he knows how to play the leader and the badass. He's just good at it. Uh, just like the even the bike scene when they are riding under the boardwalk and they're going to the cliff. It's intense, man. And you, I really lived the moment, put myself in this dude in Michael's uh, shoes this time, and it, it's quite experience what he went through, really. Um, and I, you know, I just loved like the the underground layer that they all were in. It was really perfect. The scenes that took place in there with the fake maggots in in the Chinese food thing, yes, like, yes, that was great. The Rob Lowe poster is disturbing. <laughs> <laughs> And they have great shots, too, like Dan said, the imagery, like attacking the security guard from above and ripping off the roof to those dudes' car and getting the the couple in there and getting them. And, like, the even, like, the way they shot, like, the motorbikes, how they were, like, circling the front yard of Michael's grandfather's house and the way the lights kept coming into the front window. Yes. It just, it gave you such a feeling of anxiety. Like, because, like, you know, because of what's happening here, like, you really live it. And just, like, the, the reluctant vampire story, it didn't, it didn't happen very often at this point. You know, it happened here and there, but here they really, like, brought it to a realistic quality that really is just something to live through. And, and like, the, the one moment where Michael's, like, you know, he's turning into a vampire, really doesn't know, and he wakes up and he opens his eyes and he's on the ceiling... Yes! Oh my. oh my god, dude. Are you kidding me? Are you fucking kidding me? Just amazing. And that one moment where Kiefer Sutherland, he pulls his hand into the sunlight and then he pulls back and the flames go out and he looks at, at his face and you see that one teardrop run down his cheek. 
Yep. But do you know the story behind that? No. I was actually going to bring it up. Um, yes. It's a, this, it's a very cool story, and he owns this shit, which I think is cool. That was not him acting. The reason he cried was because his contacts were killing him. Right. And he had no choice. Like, his eyes were just watering. So it was a it was a totally happy accident that when it happened, Schumacher was like, yes. <laughs> yes. And he will he'll straight up own it. He's like, that's not me. Like, I, I <laughs> that's right. not me acting. That is like an actual tear. But it was perfect. Right. You know, perfection. Like knowing that story. And because I just the other night watched a uh, panel with um, Jason Patrick and Kiefer Sutherland. Mm-hmm. And. Knowing that story, watching this film, this time, I was, like, really paying attention. And it's perfect. It's so perfect. It just gives it so much more weight. You know, and then I also love the scene at the end after his death when, um, like, they kind of turn his head. And he looks so pristine, so innocent. So, you know, it's just, wow. Yeah. I, uh. <laughs> no, Jim, I'm with you. I, I'm with you, though. I feel like this movie, you know, it's it's almost as hyped up as it is and how much everybody loves it. I feel like it's almost underrated, too, because I saw all of that as well. And, and every shot, almost in terms of the cinematography, everything was so on point that I'm like, Holy shit. Like, this movie is literally, like, this movie is a dime a dozen. Like, you do not get this often. And every single scene that you guys just mentioned, like, I I know exactly what you're talking about, and I felt something watching it. Like, that is insane. I loved it. He knows how to make a movie, man. He really does. And um, he knows, well, because I also love the look of Flatliners, you know, and... Mm -hmm. It's not as good as this movie, but it's still damn good. He he knows how to, like, visually create a film. Right. And th- this one is just, to me, it's timeless. I guess there were going to be people who didn't grow up with it who were going to be like, meh. I but, like, you guys came into it later, so. I and, that's and what I'm saying. still recognize yeah. it. So that's not an excuse. Right. It's, <laughs> it's, it's kind of timeless. It's kind of. Right. And, and uh, you mentioned the humor. The little lines like when they go to get in the car and he cranks the car and they're going to go to town and then he uncranks the car like he turns the car off and gets out with the grandpa and gets out and Corey Corey Haynes like I thought we were going to town he's like that's as close to town as I like to get you know <laughs> he goes in he's he's looking for a TV he's like oh you get the TV guide you have a TV no I don't have a TV I read the TV guide if you read the TV guide you don't need a TV you know and at the end he's like the one thing I couldn't stand about living in Santa Carla is all the damn vampires and it's like Oh my god! <laughs> like it's just perfectly timed. Hu- I remember laughing at those same jokes in the theater as uh, like a thirteen. Actually, I wasn't quite thirteen when it came out. I was twelve. Uh, it was it came out a month before my thirteenth birthday, so I was twelve when I saw it in the theater. But then you know kept renting it, and renting it later on. So it pretty much defined all of my teen years. I, I just those same jokes still hit. I haven't right. seen this movie in years before we decided to watch it for this. And everything hit just like it was yesterday. Timeless. Like you said, timeless. 
What did you guys think of the whole finale? Like the the kill, starting with going into the vampire lair, that kill, and then all the ones in the grandfather's house. My favorite kill has to be the stereo kill. Oh, death by stereo. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I love the bathtub kill because it's just crazy. Nanook. And oh, Nanook. Oh. No, and Thorn, you know, <laughs> shout out to Thorn, too. A beautiful white German shepherd. I love Thorn. Nanook uh, being a Malamute is a lot of people say he's a husky. He's not. He's a Malamute. I mean, he's gorgeous. Yeah. But uh, when, yeah, he comes in, knocks a dude in the holy water. And then it just, I love that one because then you get all the water and the blood just shooting up out of all oh, the piping in the, the sink. Oh. And the guys, uh, like Michael and Sam, they have no idea that that happened upstairs. And you get that moment where they're about to go upstairs and they look to the kitchen and you can see through the little window to the kitchen that all the pipes are exploding and everything. And they just kind of pause and look like, what the hell is going on in there? Uh, I love the fact that all the deaths are different. Right. You know, and they even say he's like some implode, some explode, some go quietly, some dope. They'll all try to take you with them. And each one of these deaths is completely different, and I think that's just – that's awesome. I, I would totally agree with that. I also thought that having kind of a twist at the end, whether some people think it's predictable or not, um, it had me, you know, in terms of finding the head vampire and right. having it be uh, Edward Herman there. Well, because they tested him already, and he passed everything. But right. they let him in the house. See, and that's another thing. Let's talk about this real quick. Each vampire movie – has its own lore, you know, um, and and has its own set of rules or whatever. With one line, they could just kind of dismiss it. And but it's okay though. It's like it's the, the movie's got that vibe where it plays with everything, where you can kind of balance everything perfectly and still kind of keep the seriousness. But other things are forgivable like that, where you don't really question it. You're like, oh yeah, okay, I've heard that before. <laughs> Yeah, it's well, like that's the so- beauty of 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 a uh, of a fictional character is that yeah, there are really no hard characters. There are no hard and fast rules. You can do whatever you want with the lore. You know, same thing goes for vampire. I mean, vampire. Same thing goes for werewolf movies. Right. You know, you right. can really do whatever you want. So I like when they do that. It was balanced perfectly in this movie. I thought everything, everything was just, just mint. Like, and that's that's one thing that I feel like a lot of movies try and be too. Like a lot of movies try and be Lost Boys, but they're a little too emo. They're a little too love story or whatever. You know, you can follow any of these characters. It seems like, and and a lot of them feel like main characters. You know, um, Feldman doesn't come in you know, for the majority of the movie anyways, till kind of later, right? Till like the second half. That's okay. Yeah. But at the same time, <laughs> like <laughs> you still, you still feel, you still connect with these kids uh, as well as, you know, the with the Jason Patrick character. And man, I got to go back to Kiefer real quick. You know, Jack Bauer is like my hero. <laughs> no, Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland is amazing to me. And it's just, I, I think that he's one of the most amazing actors. It just He just seems like the coolest person ever. Him as a villain? Holy shit. I mean, I know he's been a villain in some things. Like, you know, you look at Phone Booth and... Stand By and Me. Stand By Me, you know? And just, oh my God, does he play a damn good villain. And... Man, just every character, every single character, whether it's him, whether it's whether it's the good guys, just ah, mm-hmm. I love it. 
you know, you said that people don't like this movie suddenly, but you know where you hear the most praise for this movie? If you mention the sequels. Yeah. <laughs> try, try doing that and then hear about how there's only one Lost Boys and all this other stuff. So, yeah, all you got to do is mention the sequels and suddenly everybody remembers how much they love this one, <laughs> even though I happen to be a fan of part two. And um, we all are. Yeah, we all are. But uh, I'm just uh, meh with part three. But yeah, so for ratings, uh, Dan, how do you rate Lost Boys out of five? An eternal five. Just just every single time. And and each time I keep seeing more that I kind of connect to. There, there's a one shot. Ah, what do they call it? It's not a windmill. It's like the wind chimes. It's like a wind chime type of thing. I don't know, something. And they ha- they go back to the shot several times throughout the movie. And every time they did, I don't know, it just transported me there. And I could feel the setting. And I could feel th- the weather. And it just doesn't happen with a lot of movies. And, man, I just felt this movie. And, and like you said, Joel Schumacher knows how to direct like everything you guys said. The score, everything about this movie is fantastic. Five. Nice. How about you, Jamie? Well, I don't think there's going to be any question. This isn't. <laughs> this Listen, was, we're doing this technically. That's this was my pick, and I. Uh, so there's that. And then I think I kind of gushed a little bit when I was talking about it, and you could probably hear the excitement in my voice. So, it's yeah, it's definitely a five. Nice. Well, I'm gonna repeat. What you just heard twice before, because this is a five out of five for me, too. Lost Boys has never been a bad watch. It's always been an experience, and it influenced so much, and it spawned two sequels, and and that's years later. That's how much people love it. They just wanted a little bit more of it. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this movie has everything. It has family. It has dirtbag friends it has good friends it has reluctant people it has killers it has people who step up when when the time is needed you know in Corey Haim badass badass soundtrack badass setting cinematography cast nailed it nailed it exit there you go that was yay that was perfect wow dude we did it holy shit 